y'all. Welcome to Southern Bells. Hey, y'all. It's Brittany and Beth. So, we're glad that you could join in with us today to listen. Again, if you're interested, you can follow us on Facebook at Southern Bells Faith, Food, and Fitness. And we hope that you enjoy today's episode. Hey, good morning, friends. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to Southern Bells Prayer Pocket. It's Brittany this morning. Apologize ahead of time if my voice cracks. Um, we are recovering from a cold. <laughs> I believe it was the shock of traveling back from Florida in 80 degree weather back to the 20s and 30s and 40s. I mean, yeah, you're, you can't do that without a little bit of repercussion, right? So this morning we're talking about our Grief to Grateful series. And if you've not been following along last week or two weeks ago, um, we talked a little bit about different types of grief, grief, and I just wanted to continue on that message this morning. If you followed along with us on Sunday, you know that Beth and I talked about our trip, and I had made mention of uh, Billy Graham and his wife, Ruth Graham, and the two things that I absolutely loved from our visit to um, the Billy Graham Library. One was what was written on Ruth Graham's tombstone, which says, end of construction, thank you for your patience. And the other was what is um, perceived as one of Billy Graham's famous quotes, and it said that one day you will hear that he had died, and it's a lie. Um, He's alive now more than ever. The fact that he left this earthly journey, he merely changed his address right? Like how beautiful are those two quotes? You know, I think about the scripture that remind us that we're in the potter's hands, like he's constantly molding and creating and changing and refining us, right? And I believe that that is what Ruth Graham was portraying. And then with the great Billy Graham, he's reminding us that earth is not our home. Heaven is our home. Heaven is our destiny. Heaven is the ultimate prize at the end of our race called life. Um, When we deal with grief, there's different connotations around that perception. There are different circumstances. There are different situations that, you know, affect how we feel, how we think, and ultimately how we recover from the loss of a loved one. Um, We talked about how grief is different if you lose a parent or if you miscarry a child. Grief is different if you have an early term pregnancy or you have a stillborn pregnancy. Grief is different if you lose a spouse or lose a child. It's different. Like it, it's just different. And those differences are associated with your relationship with that person. We have different relationships. Those relationships impact our recovery. I want to share this scripture with you. It says, turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have multiplied. Free me from my anguish. That's in Psalms 25, 
verses 16 and 17. Sometimes, <clears throat> excuse me, sometimes we feel like we're entirely alone in our grief, but that is never the case, the case my friends. We think that just because we're going through something, no one can possibly understand the level of grief that we have. That is also not true. You think about Jesus Christ and the grief that he had when he partake in all of the sins of society and bore them for our freedom. He took upon himself all that anguish and all of that pain and yes, all of that grief. So every grief that has been, will be, and has ever been, he has felt right alongside with those that are grieving. Sometimes people will think the cause of death impacts the grief, and this is very true. Um, an unexpected loss. Sometimes people think that You weren't prepared for it. So that makes it harder than if it's someone that has a terminal illness. Here's my thing with that, friends. If someone has a, what is known as a terminal illness, which means that medical science can do anything and everything possible, but it's merely just going to prolong the inevitable and it's merely going to <clears throat> maybe maybe not, offer some extended time with those that that person loves. The thing that people fail to realize, and I have seen this time and time again, um, I did some work with hospice, and I've done some work in the nursing homes, and I've seen it firsthand, and have had family members who have had, you know, long-term terminal illnesses, and while that person's death is anticipated, y'all, all of our deaths are anticipated. None of us make it out of here alive. We just merely don't know when that number may be called, but neither do they. You know, a physician may tell someone, well, you have six months to live at the most. They don't truly know that. They can give you their best estimate based on your tissue viability, based on your health at the time of diagnosis, based on the prognosis of others that have had your condition, but they truly don't know the exact time frame. Only God knows that, sweet friends. But you think about someone who has lost a loved one from a ter terminal illness in my sweet friend, I know you're listening and I know that this is going to hit home for you. And I think about you every single time. Um, while you anticipate that, you're still never prepared for that loss. You are never prepared to part with the loved one that has been a huge impacted part of your life, right? So you're never really ready for that. You're still left feeling unprepared. You're still left feeling overwhelmed. You're left with not only the grief that they have passed on, but the grief that you feel relief 
that their suffering is now over. Because the majority of the time, someone that has a terminal illness, it's a slow fade. It doesn't just happen right away. It takes time. <clears throat> that time wreaks havoc on that person's body, their emotional wellness, their mental wellness, and their family's wellness. Sometimes it can cause conflict. Sometimes it can cause bitterness. Sometimes it can cause anger. Sometimes it can cause complete regret and it can cause chaos. Um, it can cause families to split. <clears throat> Sometimes there are circumstances where someone has been given a terminal illness diagnosis and they think that they'll take things into their own hands. So then you end up with the case of a suicide. And y'all, suicide is a different entity in itself. That doesn't always mean that the person um, uses harm to inflict that despise upon them. Um, it could be that they quit eating, they quit drinking, they quit allowing themselves the basic everyday needs. And so essentially they, um, they end the prolonging of their suffering by starving themselves to death or dying of dehydration. Um, that's why, you know, hospitals will be very pushy about end of life care and whether you want extended measures or whether you do not. So this is your friendly reminder. If you don't have a living will and you don't have your end of life care sorted out and you feel very strongly about those things, you probably need to speak to a lawyer and get those things on paper. Because if you do not, the next of kin will be making those decisions for you likely or a ward of the state. So being prepared is challenging as much as dealing with the loss of a loved one. Um, you know, my brother died accidentally. Um, he had a heat stroke and then he wrecked his car, right? So on his obituary, like his death notice, like it, it's natural causes in a sense, because, um, we fully believe based on what the coroner had told us is that he had passed away prior to the car wreck. However, the car wreck definitely confirmed, um, his death, but, that was an unexpected death. You feel all kinds of emotions when you deal with grief. <clears throat> I think when there is an accidental death, you think about all the what ifs. What if I had had him do this? Or what if <clears throat> I had stopped him from doing that? Or what if my parents had told him no? Or what if circumstances had been different? Like, we can't always go to the what ifs, but we do because we're human, right? But it's not awful to feel those emotions. It's not awful to process the grief in that manner. It's not awful to feel anger. You have significantly lost someone that means something to you. And irregardless of how close or how close you were not, to that person, there's always going to be feelings anchored to that loss. A sudden death from natural causes. 
I think about my father-in-law and my sister-in-law. <clears throat> and you think about that and, you know, they, they died quickly and unexpectedly and of natural causes, both heart-related. Does it make it any easier? No, but you just hope that their suffering didn't cause anguish that you, you know, that it, you, it was quick. My father-in-law, um, sometimes you can feel like it's wrongful death, right? Like he had, I had convinced him to go to the hospital and get checked out a week or so before he actually passed away. And <clears throat> they dismissed him. Like they didn't take his complaint seriously. And so you kind of develop bitterness and anger against that. And then too, you know, like that person had that bitterness from how they were treated. So then they refused to go back. And I mean, I can't say that I don't understand why, but then it's also a reminder that God's timing is God's timing. It's not our timing, right? But a suicide sometimes has that negative connotation. And I'm, this is merely my opinion, friends. So please, um, don't be offended by me saying this, but I sometimes feel like people who struggle with addiction, that when they pass away from that addiction, it's essentially a suicide because they partake in those drugs knowing all too well what could happen. <clears throat> there are substances out there now that help bring someone back if they have an overdose, but they're not always successful, right? And I just feel like that type of a death would be so hard because suicide is one beast and addiction is a beast. And to put the two of them together is awful because those individuals that deal with that type of an addiction are hook, line, and sinker, more or less. They are caught in the fish hooks of Satan's snare and... It is very, very, very difficult for them to escape it. And if they are fortunate enough to escape it and get the help that they need, it is because they have fully turned their will and their being over to God. And that is not easy when you're caught in the grasps of Satan's tricks. It is not. <clears throat> A murder... Um, will sometimes leave people angry and frustrated, not only with the person that took another person's life, but the judicial system, because sometimes things don't work out. Um, sometimes I think people fall back into the Old Testament, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Um, God reminds us that we're not to be the judge. There are laws, there are rules, and we're supposed to abide by them. You know, he even... Jesus even tells us, like, when it comes to paying taxes, give back to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. There has to be order. There has to be law and order, or there would be complete chaos and destruction. But in the same aspect of things, um, it doesn't always end up the way that a victim's family feels that it should. And then there's all different kinds of murder trials and reasons and <clears throat> it's challenging my friends it's challenging 
There could be feelings of um, fright or frustration. Um, and all of those external things cause a delay in grief. You think about <clears throat> someone who has to deal with law enforcement. Excuse me. Someone who has to deal with law enforcement or with um, insurance claims or, you know, really processing all the things after a loved one dies, whether it be expectedly or unexpectedly, those things delay our grief. Um, it's like you don't have time to really process it. And as I mentioned before, there's a meme circulating on social media that says, I didn't really take the time to grieve. I just kept going. And I think so many times a lot of people push away their grief. They don't ever deal with it in a healthy man manner and they keep going. But in the end, it's going to come back and it's going to come back tenfold in my opinion. Because if you never really address it, then you don't take the proper time to work on that emotional healing the quality of the relationship that you had with that person um, is going to affect how you grieve. It doesn't matter if you have experienced grief a thousand times. Each time is going to be different. However, I do feel like each time prepares us better to manage it and handle it um, and how to overcome it. And some people who are not as familiar with grief, who have not experienced that significant loss in their lifetime, will withdraw. And that can cause interpersonal relationship issues, and that can cause some unexpected things. Um, our personalities affect how we grieve. Our religious belief affects how we grieve. But most importantly, our support system affects how we grieve if you have a solid support system then it will help your journey a little bit however if you isolate yourself and fail to rely on them then that will just prolong it and make it more difficult you know i just want you to be reminded that god is always there to listen and as that scripture from Psalm says, turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have multiplied. Free me from my anguish. God is the only one who can give us true rest and peace and restoration. And my advice to you is to pray continuously about your grief and pray for God to see you through it and to lift you up and help you. Um, pray for signs that there's peace with your loved one. Pray that there is, you know, comfort to your household, restoration. Um, magnify the areas of your life that are positive, especially in the sense of a terminal illness. Remember the positive memories prior to them being sick. Don't dwell on the long-term ending. Dwell on the joy and the peace and the love and even the relationship that you fostered during that time. If you've had a child and bared that child and 
had to deliver that child, a stillborn. I know some mamas that have had to do that. Know that your grief is absolutely real. That child has forever left an imprint, not only on your body, but on your heart. Honor them in some way. Whether it be every year on their birthday, or you plant a tree a memorial of them, do something to do to honor them. And I recommend that when you've lost anyone, something that you can do to memorialize and honor them. And as Beth and I talked on Sunday, when someone that we love unconditionally and care so much about dies, they don't truly completely die. As Billy Graham said, their address merely changes if they know Christ as their Lord and Savior. But their positive qualities, their attributes can live on through us, through our children, through their children and their families, through their friends. Um, there's a song Rodney Adkins has out that, um, when it's, it's, I think it's called when it's my time to go. He was talking about this guy. He was, um, he got caught in a funeral procession and there was just miles and miles and miles of cars. And he wanted to know like, what kind of person was this, that all of these people showed up for his funeral. <clears throat> So him, not even knowing this person, went to the funeral. And he said as he sat and listened to stories and laughed and cried right alongside these people, that this person who passed away had significantly impacted his life. Y'all, that's possible and plausible and applaudable. You know, he said, I hope that at the end of my road, I'm like this person, that I have this kind of impact. Think about the impact that your loved one had on you and then use that to make a difference in the world today. Friends, I hope that you have an amazing Tuesday. I hope that this is bringing you some comfort and it's bringing you some joy. And I am very thankful that you are along with us for this journey. I hope that you have a wonderful week. Bye, y'all.